Hi, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. My name is Isabel Ross, and I'm the coach at Peak Endurance Coaching. Episode 67 is an interview with Richard Zeri, the race director with Perseverance Events that holds races such as the Bright Festival, the Portsea Running Festival, and the upcoming, at some stage, Buffalo Sunriser. It's been a tough year for everyone, including race directors, and we chat about how COVID has affected the racing landscape and the future of virtual and live racing in Australia. Do you have injuries or niggles ruining your enjoyment of running and hindering your performance? Running is the perfect exercise, but when it hurts with aches and pains, it's no fun at all. Come in and see the specialists at Health and High Performance where they utilise the latest in technology and experience to help you achieve the results you want and are capable of. So head to healthhp.com.au forward slash run or find them on Instagram, Health High Performance. In these times, it's more important than ever to have a structured plan to ensure you maximise your training. The benefit of online training is it doesn't matter what state or country you are in, I can help you reach your athletic peak. Staying committed to your training is one thing you can have control over at the moment. If you need an individualised plan, email me, Isabel, at peakendurancecoaching.com.au to get started. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Rating, reviewing and sharing helps more people find it. You can also go to my YouTube channel under my name, Isabel Ross, to see the video recordings of this and other podcasts. Enjoy the interview with Richard. It's not recording. Hi, Richard, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Thank you. Hi, how are you going? Yeah, I'm good. Um, Can you tell the listeners a bit about yourself, your running background, and how you got into a race organisation? Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm... um well, I'm from England originally, so lived in, born and bred in London, and um, got into running sort of early teens um, at Hercules Wimbledon Athletics Club in South London, and had a cross-country background mostly, and rode and a bit of track over the years. So I got into um, race organisation pretty much in my late teens, just through helping on a voluntary level with the club events. So um, we had um, a few county county events, um, 5K races that I would manage, and then just slowly um, did a few other. We used to have one called the Wimbledon 10, which was a pretty tough um, three-lap hilly course. Um, and for London, um, London with hills was kind of Wimbledon area was really good for hill, hill work. So that died of death due to a, um, a bus service being implemented and not being able to um, keep to safety um, safety regulations eventually. Although, um, saying that, very few races did back then anyway, <laughs> and still don't, funny enough. Um, but um, as the years progressed, I went, um, I trained in uh, as a physiotherapist as well. And, um, and then I sort of did both together, a little bit of commercial event work and then still ran the voluntary side of things and um, kept my hand in um, athletics through um, county management of cross-country squads for juniors. So we used to run the Surrey cross-country team, which is anyone who knows England. Um, Surrey is an re- extremely strong cross-country county and running county in general um, on par with sort of Yorkshire and some of those strong counties up north as well. So I would manage the junior squads um, on things like the inter-counties, um, right from sort of 11 upwards to, to 17 years of age. And that took me into coaching as well. So as my running and injury sort of um, curtailed my main enjoyment of running, and I always had a, um, 
I, I kind of, I'm not one of those runners that sort of love running forever. Like I would come in and out of the sport. So I'd travel a bit and I wouldn't run for months. And then I'd sort of always be on the push bike. So I'd always be in sort of 75 minute half marathon shape pretty much up to maybe 35 years of age. And then, um, and then with the race organization, um, some bigger road races would come in sort of three and a half thousand sort of numbers. Um, and from several hundred. So I've, I've kept my race organization between sort of um, small, small cross country events, a couple of hundred people um, in the UK. So we used to run the Wimbledon uh, Marathon, which was an off-road one, right through to um, sort of mass participation events and closed road races as well. So um, one on the South Coast um, I still own in Worthing, just um, west of Brighton and one up in London in Richmond, although the market is so heavily saturated now and with COVID-19 obviously, so I brought that word in already, <laughs> um, we're seeing quite a, a difficult um, landscape to be honest and I suffer from the problem of storage solutions as well in the UK, so I've got some big costs still outgoing and obviously nothing for 2021 now as of last week so from from yeah the whole of 2021 will have no events for me for in the uk if i can even get out of australia anyway so it's a bit of a um and i was going to my next question was how has it been navigating the covid landscape this year but but from what you're saying is that there'll be no racing in england next year either no it's a tricky one there's um from what I read, and I sort of jump in and out of policy and see what's going on. So the governing bodies obviously bring in their um, overview of risk assessments and say, hey, if you want to run a COVID-19 secure event, here's our recommendations. And, and it's, it's mostly social distancing measures, dropping the numbers, which doesn't always help money to be made. Um, more toilets, although we've never had, we've always yeah. had lots of toilets on our races. But so each race is um, different. But what what i'm noticing now is actually the councils will just overrun all those decisions anyway so you could have the best and i saw a good example of this last week i saw a very nice risk assessment done from an event that um actually is in worthing as well and i was looking at his work and how he sort of staggered it to a nice line 150 meters long and so on so done everything asked um but the council um the council members the councillors and so on have just said hey no not going to take place um so he's he's obviously had to scrap it so and that's kind of what we're getting with one of our with our event as well so before i've even thought about a, a covid secure event the council have already implemented um a no event policy and i can understand it because where that race is is a um for want of a better word, a, a much older population. It's it, traditionally it was kind of retirement town, you know. But but at the end of the day, it, everyone in that town is kind of um, on the plus side of sixty five. So we're seeing um, a lot of vulnerable um, customers of the council, obviously. And me bringing in two two and a half thousand people mm. into a town is not necessarily morally right. Um, taking away the politics side of things because there's obviously huge events on with thousands of people in close proximity it's also um, a massive headache for me that I can have an event pulled in a week and lose mm. £15,000 eh? <laughs> um, which basically will bankrupt me so um, you know sometimes you just got to let go of things and move on to other things and, and see where I am in my own life and position as well and, and accept that that as a new normal now and um and so how have you um 
like I said, navigated it this year, like because you obviously did have races organised for this year. So how have you um, dealt with that? Yeah, so we had, so when I came, when I went to England, so if we just bring England back in, England in February was, it was very silent. The whole, it was more making more news. End of Jan, I went to England. So it was making news in Australia, um, generally because they report more on stuff on the east side of the world. Um, but England, it was very quiet, and I was quite surprised how little um, chatterings were going taking place there. So I had a race in England on February the 9th that I had to cancel last um, two days before because we had 110k winds coming on the south coast from nowhere, and it just battered everywhere. And I've got some video on some Facebook stuff, and it lasted 24 hours, 48 hours, and then it just stopped, and it was fine. And... I couldn't even open the door of a van. It was so bad. So that got pulled. So that was like hit one. And then I thought, well, I might as well go back to Oz quickly for a few weeks, take some pressure off the family, so on. So I did that. Went back to England again for um, the Richmond event. So that was March 22nd. And the week before, um, I, I was getting nervous because of the big Cheltenham um, race horse racing festival was starting to sort of 250,000 people over three days. That was starting to gather a bit of media sort of backlash and, and, and kind of quite rightly so really. And um, so I pulled my event early, like earlier than any other race had that was on that weekend because I could see the speed that it had accelerated over in Australia um, and elsewhere. Not so much Australia, but Italy, France, uh, Portugal was showing massive rapid um, speed. So, so I pulled my race very quickly, um, which saved me sending out race packs and race chips and so on, which is several thousand pounds worth. So I pulled that, I saved on that, but I was still being held to account on say land hire because they had no official guidance from the government at the time. So I was like, oh, I can't believe they're not listening to and seeing, you know, making yeah. decisions. Anyway, the Thursday before my race, by which point I was already heading back to Oz pretty much because um, they were shutting down the border anyway and the, and the flights were, were getting, um, sparse um we had a situation where they uh, boris um had then told everyone no events so i didn't actually get charged that thank goodness but so that was the race two that was out <laughs> um and then obviously my australian race is the end of the year so i have a big gap there mm. and then um and then so yeah bright running festival was out as well um just was going to be a non-starter really so and although bright gives us the opportunity for lots of space and i'm pretty confident you know of of executing an event it's more it, it's more that you can have something pulled on you so so rapidly and that something can't take place you know within 24 hours um you've got entire um yeah you know, i went to worthing with a full load van you know three staff full up with a van van hire for a week um 14 hotel rooms and so on um all to not take place so mm. um, and then have to then unload the van hire van goes back so there's lots of costs so in a way you've got to make that measured um measured guesstimate of what what the risk is of something being cancelled and what the costs are already in place that you can't claw back um there's certain things i don't do anymore that save me money from everything from 
date on medals is a good example. I think runners understand that. Um, I've, I've had a race where I had to cancel a few years ago where I had about £10,000 worth of t-shirts. So that's $20,000 worth of t-shirts that were dated for an event that didn't take Ultra runners are different. They kind of get it. Yeah, give me a, I don't care if I've got a 2018 t-shirt, but you're junior runner. And I say that in a way of your, I call them, I call them new age runners. <laughs> They're really hard to, to manage sometimes. And you can't be giving them a, a, medal, a different date on or a t-shirt. And um, so it's kind of good for the charities because they get all our stuff. And, um, you know, 4,000 T-shirts are probably scattered around the world in countries that have had civil wars and, and famine and so on. And these That's get good. distributed from the network that I have in London. So there's benefits to every negative. There's positives to negatives. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is okay. a question I was wondering is, has there been any positives from this whole... <laughs> can can um, you find some positives? Are, yeah. And I, I kind of... I don't know. I, I I don't think I'm as optimistic as I used to be as a person. I don't know if that's a thing that comes with um, just getting older. Like like I'm not I'm not old. I'm 45, but maybe the weight of life just weighs down on us as we get older, and it's like a drip. It's like a leaking tap, and you don't think your tap's leaking, and then you look at it and it's dribbling, and you're like, yeah, that's definitely leaking. I'll now fix it. So I'm kind of an optimist in that. I accept. Um, I accept things as just normal. Like I don't tend to. I tend to maybe 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 some will sound a bit passive sometimes like that. It's just that's just the way of the land. Like the councils have the powers. They can do what they like. They can you know, they can make you bankrupt if 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 you're not smart with your stuff. Um, but the positives, um, I guess, most of the, the positives has been the like take bright run fest virtual event. I was quite low and negative. Like. In, personally on a personal level i was i was feeling um you know our other forms of income weren't coming in such as my airbed and bnb &B up here in bright so we've got all of that money lost um certain things that i didn't get um bushfire grant for example and that was a real headache of how how grants are given out um in australia um based on how you structure your business. So there's a good example of how something that one minute, you know, you see a sponsored ad on Facebook saying, hey, bushfire affected communities, there's 10,000 bucks. And you're like, oh no, sorry, we don't class you as a small business. But you tax the business, you know? So you're like, okay, so I'm not a small business. What exactly am I? Well, it's on your personal income. Okay, that's totally legal, that's fine. It's all accounted for, but no. <laughs> so you sort of get, so you like go back and forth and each time you're like, all right, I'll give up with that one. And you look at another grant. Last week was a good example. Um, small sole trainers. Yes, so I looked at that too. Nothing. So you don't yeah. have commercial premises. Well, exactly. come on. Yeah. 95% of sole traders don't have commercial premises or leases. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't need to be 3,000. Give us 500 bucks. Just something. Exactly. We'll give you I agree. And a half someone who has anyway so <laughs> so i was getting beaten up like by this stuff and then i was like right bright one first keep my finger in bit of social media i get a bit lazy sometimes with that bit of video um mm. but more one of the biggest pluses i think i've found from um the virtual event and i'm and i'm anti-virtual events i've seen them and when i first saw one a few hours i want a load of old crap what are, what are you spending money to make someone run around and take their hard-earned money um 
as an organizer, it's actually been really complicated because not did I just go and do a 5K, 10K, um, 25K, 50K, we threw in the 10 by 10K. So that brings a whole load of Excel files and data collection and without using a specific app, for example, and trying to keep it sort of cheap as well. And actually trying to make some money if possible yeah. and not just do everything at a loss is to do it all yourself. So I'd, um, I'd come up to the computer here and spend about <laughs> four hours every night fixing data because the runners wouldn't do it as I asked them or some, yeah. would, some, would, some were really good, like spot on, maybe those in IT. Others were shockingly bad and readily admitted how bad they were. And I got emails apologising. Sorry, Rich, I've just put 10 days of data in and it's all incorrect and I can copy and paste it over. So I'm doing, I've got one screen there, one screen there. I'm like, ah, oh, and I just go loopy like 56 hours for 10K when it should be 56 minutes, stuff like that. So, but hey, that's what the RD does. I said, well, you, you charge people some money. <laughs> and then... Um, and also, just more importantly for me, is to you connect with the actual runners themselves. So being from the UK, there was a time when I could look at 300 runners on a list and I'd know every single runner's name and I'd know what club they were in. And as the years went by, and, I, and I'm not racing as much, um, you sort of see new names appear and you have no idea who they are. And then in Australia, I come over and I look at a list of results and I might know three, four people. Um, so it was quite nice for me to connect because the stories, I think the, biz, the biggest positive is the stories that have come out from the 10 by 10 have far outweighed the bulk of stories in any race I've done. Oh, okay. um, from people who uh, presently have cancer, for example, and we're going out each day and taking 16 days to run 100k. And some days they'd run 4k, other days 3k, you know, so quite low level running for them, but but high level based on their health condition. Um, others were really quick to do it. Um, but just the stories and the thank yous that came in of, of how much it got people up and out to create, hopefully maybe just create that habit again of what they had lost. And and then <laughs> we threw in that bonus in to try and carry on the um, the, the behaviour, the, the habit of running each day as well. So they, they've been really good and I've not gone in yet and looked at every single mail and read it in depth, you know, because we, we give them on the um, Google sheet, they can sort of write it under notes and that's sort of right down the bottom. So I don't always read them, but I tend to go back and read back over them and then reply to people and sort of share that, um, share that enjoyment because it's two and a half marathons over 10 days. And I, I think generally everyone found it harder than they realised. Um, so some would have jumped from, you know, 10 days to 14 days. But so there's a positive there. It's a positive for Bright Running Festival in that I hope people come back and um, actually do the race next year and support the event um, as we as we put on for you. And yeah, and just and, and just show and especially for the people in stage four lockdown, it was that it was sort of for them. So there's a hundred and you know, we had 130 runners, 140 runners in the end. Um, so the, the biggest benefit came to the people in, in Melbourne Stage 4 lockdowns. Yeah, um, it gave them something, yeah. something to run for and something to do oh, in one hour. Yeah, yeah, and seeing them all coming in, like, you know, 0, 0, 59, 50, they all scraping in under the hour, and, and some were <laughs> 11, some were one nine. you know. I, I'm, I'm pretty late. I was laid very laid yes. back with it. it was, this wasn't about the front end and the people racing at the front. 
as the base developed, we took interest in that. But it was as important for the people down in a hundredth spot, whatever, if we didn't want to classify it as a hundredth place, to actually achieve a goal over ten days. And, and, and I that know was, um, achieved, yeah. And I, and I know some participants um, focused on because it was the Bright Running Festival, which normally involves some climbing, and that they did it. Um, it was just a goal for themselves that each run would have to involve X amount of um, elevation climb within that ten k. <clears throat> which was like an added challenge for them. I think if do another one, for example, um, and in fact, we'll have a couple of prizes that will go out. There were, and I, haven't, I still haven't actually put this on in the data yet, is the elevation of the runs, because some people were like, that's every, every elevation is everything, as we know, for some yes. others care less about elevation and they live where they don't have any, you know, there's no elevation in bits of Melbourne. So, so, me devising a way to collect that data and, and maybe automate some of this data that we could actually do this um, for example any time of year and if this doesn't take um, huge amounts of hours up for me on an automated um, platform then I could run this more as a, a sort of a marketing and, and it could be done at no cost for example uh, most of the costs on this race were um, for products and hats and so on so so i yeah i actually really enjoyed just running as something that was more took me back a bit more to my um voluntary time of running events when you spend huge amounts of hours just trying to get i don't know getting getting a website to connect back on a ftp <laughs> in 1996 with dream Revo. just used and, and you have five websites and one connected one way the other one connected another way and three in the morning you're still trying to work it out you know and i'm not a tech guy so i'd just be like I've got to fix this. I've got to get it working. Because <laughs> yep. we're runners and we like to be stubborn old buggers. <laughs> Don't pay anyone to do stuff. <laughs> and it's got to be just right. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, so you, you sort of have um, touched on the answers to this um, <clears throat> question. I, I was going to say, what do you see will be the future of racing over the next year? So obviously in England, you're not going to be putting on any real-time races. But here in Australia, you, you do see that being able to happen yeah yeah i see well with um portsea running festival that's that's not going to happen because no. of park victoria restrictions in stage three and four um we buffalo sunriser in december is a new event which starts at midnight um that i'm just thinking about that this morning actually that that's going to have to be moved and i'm thinking i've always avoided which, which is a pity can i just say i was so looking forward <laughs> to that one <laughs> Uh, it's not it's not all lost in that um i've got um the guy i deal with in um is that is, is back i think soon so he'll reply to me but it's more that the parks victoria um when when they reopen things they can't just have stuff the following week so then have to obviously yes. do all the paperwork for so yeah my uk event is like when we reopen it will be 10 weeks like nearly three months with that team so that's why one race isn't that it's just as simple that which takes out the um it's not a it's not a health concern of the coronavirus it's just pure time scales of small scale events teams that work within councils and and we're seeing an events team maybe work over four or five councils whereas six seven years ago they'd had their own events team and as yeah. um, pressures have been placed on councils they spread it around so so we yeah so my problem with that one is um with buffalo taking that as an example um is paperwork time 
and also the nervousness that we'll have restrictions still in place on the event side of things, but people can move around the town quite freely, but they're kind of more than 40 people or something or whatever yeah. um, that might be. So I'm hoping in, um, I was thinking of long weekend in January, um, because it's a midnight race, we don't mm. get so affected by the heat, but I've always been put off slightly by the heat in Australia of events. Um, and also per, on a personal level, I was doing a um, intensive Pilates reformer course as an instructor, and that's been pushed back from April and it keeps getting pushed back. So I thought, well, I'll take the opportunity where this window in December opens up mm. um, and my physio exam as well here to transfer my registration over um, allows that, that opportunity. Mm. <laughs> That's another positive, is me sorting out my other career as a physiotherapist. And this yeah. is forced upon me. And that's the thing is, I mean, you've got to try, try to find the positives. So do you think even once racing goes back to normal, um, whatever that shall be, do you think there will still be a place for virtual racing? Like even just as challenges and that sort of thing? Um, I think, yeah, I, I can see people quickly just get back to it, what we knew and what we loved, which is just yeah. racing and meeting people. Um, I think the virtual, for me, most probably won't happen, but we could do, but if I can automate things and um, use them as a, um, as a marketing tool, um, then that, that would be ideal. Yeah. As I said earlier, I, I found the whole virtual thing really strange anyway, yeah. um, from, from what I knew. So, and I've not done a virtual race myself. Um, so I, I can see them just crashing. And um, I don't, and, I, and I, I looked up some virtual stuff the other day on Instagram and then I got bombarded with hundreds of ads from, I don't know where these companies are. Like, mm. you know, they're worldwide shipping and stuff. They could be a bunch of gangsters selling you tickets. I mean, you know, you've got to ask who's behind some of these events. They, they could be big tech management teams. I mean, you know, I'm just a small, small, small fry race director, running all my own, mark the course up on my own pretty much, you know. Um, don't, don't, um, don't underestimate the power of technology and what they can do and to draw money in. You know, there's a lot of money at play in, in event management. And when you look at the sort of turnover in OCR events, um, it's huge. And, and some of them... Um, and some of them aren't even processing refunds for people when, when they, um, when they cancel an event, that's months and months away. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty disappointing well, what we, some of the stories we hear, but, but yeah, I just look after my own stuff, my own customers and try and do the best I can. And, and at the moment it's sort of staving off financial instability in the UK, which is a massive risk for me um, with my kind of cost involved and just keeping the things in Australia, um, ticking over. Um, luckily, we don't have the sorts of outgoings as the UK side of things. But I think virtuals will just drop off and we'll get back to racing properly and against each other and, um, and maybe enjoying it a little bit more. We might see some events disappear. Yeah, you know, some sad, of the bigger but... stuff um, that have already paid out staff. The, the, the ones that have maybe four or five staff members that have already paid out staff wages with income that's come in. Um, are at risk so they're sort of always carrying the debt for the next race <laughs> yeah. which I've heard of mm. but that's more Australia's a little more um, 
raw in its racing formats in that we like ultra races and stuff and um we there's so many toilet facilities to use we don't know the sort of outgoings but thing but we tend to think higher things like medical expenses mm. and you know, there's the the, the things that we, that cost me money in England are very different than what cost me money in Australia as a comparison. Um, so, so when I, when I came to Australia, I was always surprised how much, how expensive races were to enter because they're much less in Europe, but then we'd have twice as many people. So um, yeah, it's sort of, whereas you, you've got a, less, a smaller market here, a smaller population. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, that's definitely true. Um, yeah, so, so long as I was virtual. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, to be honest, I mean, as much as it's great having the virtual events, I mean, I cannot wait to get back to, you know, real, real live, real live racing. But um, in, in saying that, the, the Portsea Running Festival, the virtual edition, is coming up. Can you tell us a bit about that one? Yeah, so I thought I'd just use a similar format to Bright Running Festival. It keeps me in the mix there as well, just doing mm. stuff and um, being busy. Um, We've just changed some of the um, distances um, which match the actual event itself. So that's your five, your 10 and your 21, your half marathon, 21.1K. Um, there's no 50K or 25. And then, <clears throat> but more importantly for those still in restrictive areas, I think is what more the, the behavioral change we're trying to see, which is the habit forming of running daily or walking yeah. daily. It doesn't need to be a run. So your 10 by 10K, your 10 by 5K, your five by 10K, or your five by five k. So I'm I'm pretty flexible to what people want to do, and that can be done over your ten days straight days, or your ten uh, your ten runs over sixteen days, um, scattered, or sixteen runs over sixteen days, or whatever kind of works. But bright BRF was really good. That mo mo the bulk of them kept to your ten days to ten k, and that was the that in your mind you know right ten k a day, great. Yeah. Um, and then you, and then over sixteen. So. So it's a similar format to that. Um, we'll try and add in elevation this time. And um, yeah, you get the nice running hat. We, we've got the Sherry Athletics hat on that. And we, we send out a nice um, a kind of, I only do buffs now. So stripping all t-shirts out of the industry, yeah. I think positive I think thing, um, yep. just all the materials. Um, and so we do a we do a nice Cormax head buff that has um, like it's five recycled plastic bottles basically. Oh, okay. And, uh, so, so I've moved over to a, a a better head buff. So I've been trying trying to sort of make things more uh, sustainable, so to speak. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's kind of. So it, when it, you say you might include elevation in it this time, what do you mean? Yeah, um, as in if someone wants to run, um, some people ran the same loop every day. So every single day it was like 110 meters of climbing. Others will do different so but just with the result system from day one we'll have the elevation in so if i say okay you could run 10k but um <clears throat> we'll have a category where you've got to run 100 meters of elevation um within now that's not massive but yeah. actually over 10 days that's enough climbs <laughs> um or we do just a price for maximum elevation if someone wants that so i reckon do, do that i reckon do that yeah yeah <laughs> we just the beauty of virtual you kind of can you know, make it up as you go, but it's yeah. a learning curve for me as well of what the customer yeah. is interested in. So I can add, uh, you know, with the Google form, we add the elevation in on day five and then it comes up anyway and, you, and I can just keep changing the, um, the questions I ask you on, as you go and just ask you to fill those back in. So 
So mm. you can always do retrospective data collection with, with virtuals. <laughs> and I mean, I guess, I mean, I'm just thinking on the fly here, but you could have different, um, like awards, I guess, you know, not, you know, that you get anything or want anything, but people, you know, who maybe do max elevation or someone who does, you know, um, a different type of course or trail road, you know, I guess there's, there's a variety of different ways you can approach it even, isn't there? Oh yeah. And the list is, um, the list is endless. And yeah. I guess what, what isn't endless is me, um, trying to work it all out on the other end. It sounds easy from my end where I don't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> But maybe I'll have a play with Google Forms. Go and there'll be some tech wizard listening to this, going, "Oh, yeah. what's which about? You can this. All you got to do is do this and do that." And one one guy messaged, or oh, his wife didn't say, "Hey, well, yeah, my boyfriend said you can." You put the dot there, and that stops it going in. And I'm just like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about on Excel. I hate yeah. it. I hate yeah. it. I mean, it's oh, amazing. I, I I do not. I cannot use Excel. I try, but I can't. Yeah, I get very stuck. And if you know any of these things, if you don't do them daily, you, That's you know, the need to know is not actually there. My mind can be filled with better things than Excel. Um, yep, uh, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yep. Yeah, so, um, so when does that one start? That starts October. Yeah, so that was, we were going to finish on the official um, the sort of guesstimate that Dan Andrews had done on his end of. So we start on the 10th. So it's the 10th of October to the yep. 25th, which is 16 whole days, complete days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, but you can enter, if you're going to do 10 days straight, and we actually had this with a lot of the runners that, um, that won Bright Running Festival, and Jessica, who won overall, um, she entered on day six and did 10 straight days. So, uh, okay. so she entered, say, for example, you could enter on the 15th or 16th um, and, and still yeah. get your 10 days in. Yeah. Could somebody do it like enter on the 24th and just do 100 k's the next day yeah i know i'm pretty flexible <laughs> it goes <laughs> the result it would just say 100 k we had one guy i think did 100 k in three days or something and yeah so you, you can do that it doesn't have to be 10 by 10 yeah. like if you're no. you can choose to to create yeah, your own a few challenge people some big whoppers early doors someone ran 32.4 k i think day one and then 23 and then they literally ran like 5k a day or something <laughs> <laughs> so that obviously worked for them um work hours shift work family yeah. whatever you know it, it's sometimes easier but we there's there's two groups of um in this there's the purists who run 10.01 each mm -hmm. day yeah you need then, that point one yeah yeah, yeah, I'll take that. And then, and then there's those that just sort of scatter gram an hour roughly and see how far they run. So, yeah. and there's those that actually run the exact same course every day, which is, I mean, that's pretty cool. And the irony on that was at day ten, loads of them saw their times improve and sort yeah, of that would have been interesting quickly. So four yeah. or five days, and and you can really see some big health benefits coming about straight away. And um. <clears throat> What was I going to say? How do people um, like for the bright one and for this, you're talking about Google Docs, but how do people give you the data? Is it through Strava or anything like that? Yeah, so I like them to have a tracking app, but it's not um, that's not completely necessary. Quite a few of ours were new runners in that they didn't even have Strava at all. Um, they weren't using any tracking, so they joined Strava. Others had more concerns about their locations and so on. So we had to show them how to do the safety features. Um, that's just me, personal emails and so on. 
um, so they can't be ID'd where they live and so on. Um, so yeah, we, we ask you obviously your name on the form. Um, we ask you your tracking name, which is for me because we have a lot of people that use different surnames. Um, school teachers are a good example. Um, <laughs> people in the forces and so on. So police force. So they will use a different name, and that that that's actually caused massive confusion for me because I'll be looking for someone and I'll be like, I can't find them. <laughs> so yeah. that got quickly added to the form. Um, people just screen grabbed and sent me other tracking apps that were on private settings. Um, so you can just send a screenshot. Yeah, yeah, but the, the mainstay for me, the brainchild of it is the Google submission form. Um, and then if I want to check something, I will then jump into your tracking app and find you and have a look. Uh, okay. So we have this group, but to be honest, when you've got 300 runners over various activities all in one group and Strava events doesn't work very well. You kind of have multiple day events, for example, it's not built for that. So, yeah. so you can only have the one group really. Um, you, you can't find people because it brings in dog walking. They might go for a hike um, and they're not labeling the run the right days. They haven't followed the, um, what I've requested them to do. So, so me finding them is just a minefield. So, the Google form quickly did its job of data collection and then yep. I will check if there's any cases raised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, c I can imagine it would be um, a steep learning curve for you, um, <laughs> but um, I'm sure everyone's very grateful and uh, appreciative of your efforts. <laughs> um, alrighty, so where can people go to, to enter that race? Um, so the Portsea Run Fest is just actually that, portseaRunFest.com, and that will just, um, at the moment I'm saving myself a few dollars, so that will just jump over to perseveranceevents.com.au website, and then there's a register there, and um, that will go through to the platform, the registration platform to register. And then um, about 10 days, two weeks before, probably, yeah, next weekend, I'll start um, sending stuff out and... Um, getting everyone's race numbers ready and so on um, and, and how it all works and this will be a bit more polished probably than BRF because I'll be learning from right. not errors <laughs> just <laughs> for stuff I haven't done <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. well be, that, you know and, and that's great I mean you're learning a whole new skill set <laughs> I know from a virtual race it's amazing it. don't worry yeah. about two weeks of marking up bright running festival <laughs> in the middle of the night that's it thousand metal stakes no this is a virtual race and it was harder <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah anyway um all right well i'll put those links uh in the show notes if people want to go to the show notes they can do that and <clears throat> get onto the race and i i think um i've, I've been a bit umming and ahhing about virtual events myself but i i did another podcast with some other coaches and i talked about how i had done one and what i actually liked about it more than anything was the feeling of community knowing that even though I wasn't with other people there were other people doing the same thing as me so in spite of not actually physically being together we are together and I think that really helps us mentally at this time a hundred percent and you know just based on what we were talking about earlier the that sense of community when everyone sort of um and and people know each other sort of maybe from an event once or twice yeah. a year you might bump into someone but and that's kind of how that's just that's the extent of your um friendship goes you know and maybe the odd bit of facebook stuff but um seeing that you're all in that together and how hard it is is kind of what makes that I know going back to that rawness of runners and um, how runners yeah. look after each other, you know, and um, and we can come through things together and um, 
and sort of um, look forward to spending that time with each other again. And for me, I think I kind of, I, you know, my own running is, has not been great. I, I, I wanted to do the 10 by 10, um, but I actually pulled my calf a few days before, getting a bit carried away. And then last week I twisted my, two weeks ago, I twisted my knee gardening. So that's, all my injuries are nothing to, much to do with running actually. Um, so, I, so I felt I was part of it, even though I wasn't actually running it. And Naomi, um, my wife, so to speak, although we couldn't get married <laughs> because of the restrictions. So oh my partner, no. um, she did the 10 by 10 and she, and she's, she runs regularly, but she will not necessarily do the 10K every day, you know. So she, and she's a 34 minute runner back, back a few years ago um, on the road. So she jumped in and, and actually um, surprised herself. She she knew she could do ten by ten, but to yeah, actually put it together for ten days was actually solid. And and I don't think I've run ten k a day for I don't know maybe more than ten years ago. Looking back, oh, wow. so it's something I will probably do myself at some point, like soon. Yeah, once my knee's better and my calf. No more gardening. <laughs> gardening. Yeah. All righty. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate um, hearing about all of this, and I'm sure the listeners do too, because because this is a world we're in at the moment, it's virtual racing. So it's good to hear it from a different perspective. Oh, thanks, Izzy. And yeah, and, and if also you're gonna look at doing the 10 by 10? Yes, yes, I'm doing the 10 by 10 and I'm just debating whether to do it, you know, looking at it as elevation or, or trail or, or I'm, I'm still trying to decide what my focus will be because I don't wanna just go out and plot around my streets, the same old sort of, I don't wanna do the same course every day. So I've got to figure yeah. out what I'm gonna do. Cool. We'll throw in like a hundred burpees to start and finish, and you know. <laughs> oh, that is my have... least favourite exercise. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> All righty. Um, yeah. All right. So thanks so much for that. No worries. My pleasure. Take care. Bye. Well, it sure has been a tough year for everyone. I do think it's good to get onto these virtual races to support race directors so we can ensure that they put on real live races in the future. I know we all want that and we are all so looking forward to it. Next week will be a bit of an Eco Challenge special with interviews with people who have participated in the Eco Challenge as seen on Prime, the world's toughest race. If you watched it like I did and I absolutely loved it, you will know how tough it was. There are some really amazing athletes that I get to speak to. So have a great week of training and stay safe and well.